Okay, let's fucking start this bad boy. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. It's your parents watch this with Keem Beatty and Brad Semituck. We're brought to you by Comedy Here Often. Right now you're listening to the podcast where we watch movies your parents watched and then find out why that made them the way that they are. Oh yeah, baby. This time uh, we're doing it no, uh, we're doing it lockdown style. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting cross-legged on my bed right now. Normally, I'd be sitting cross-legged on Brad's couch, aka his guest bed. Yeah, I'm sitting on the couch right now, but in a different position of the house than would be normally. What's the position? You guys will never know because we don't have video rocking this time. Yeah, so you guys can guess where I am in my house. Yeah, you can even imagine he's in a different house. Uh, hey, what movie are we doing today? We're doing The Hills Have Eyes, the 1977 cut. Oh, yeah, baby. Who's it directed by? I don't fucking know. But yeah, That's it... a crazy thing to throw at me. <laughs> Who's the cameraman in this movie? It was directed by uh, Wes Craven, the same guy who he did. Uh, uh, this is his second movie. The one he did before this was Last House on the Left. Uh, his, he's probably most well known for uh, The Nightmare on Elm Street and the uh, Scream franchise. I only really knew this movie from the remake in 2006. I never watched it, but I remember like the trailers coming up on the TV and just scaring the fuck out of me. Yeah. Like this was... <laughs> I vividly remember the Hills Have Eyes uh, trailers, and th- you know that was good enough for me. Those 30 seconds were probably the most fucking rattled that I've ever felt at any horror movie in my entire life. I don't know if that movie was good or not. This one's pretty middle of the road, but wow. <laughs> Yeah, I was unlucky enough to not experience The Hills Have Eyes until right now. What did you think as a guy who uh, knew nothing about this franchise or, you know, hills or hills that have eyes? How did you feel? I'm just glad that we have highways now so we don't have to drive our uh, caravan through the uh, wooded hills. Well, I've got bad for you, bad news for you, bro. They've, they, had, they had highways back then. Well, then how did they even end up in this location? A woman who was bad at directions brought them there. Isn't that how it always goes? This movie's why my dad blames my mom for mistakes that were made by Apple Maps when we're trying to go somewhere. Well, yeah, I mean, if he's uh, doing that based on this movie, the situation is probably pretty fucking dire in his head. Yeah, he was hearing sounds and getting spooked. Oh, yeah, he thinks that there's a psycho family of cannibals just waiting to pop out of the cul-de-sac that your mom fucking took you guys down by mistake. You think that's what dads think? That's why they're always in a rush? Oh, well, I mean, if they, they're in a rush because of the hills have eyes, then absolutely. That's the only thing that happens in this movie. Uh, we should do a synopsis before we keep talking about this uh, anymore. So the hills have eyes. Uh, came out in 1977, directed by Wes Craven. It's about a family who, uh, on their way to California, uh, they have the misfortune to have their car break down in, in, in an area that's like closed off to the public. It's like a nuclear testing site. Uh, and it's inhabited by a family of violent cannibal savages ready to attack. And uh, after uh, they end up uh, stealing, like, the family's baby and killing one of their dogs, after they do all that, the fam- family's, like, forced to defend themselves. And then you, the viewer, have to ask yourself, who's the real savage here? Yep. Is that what the movie's about? That's what, yeah, I watched a documentary um where Wes Craven broke down this shit, and yes, that was what the movie was about. It really went over my head until the third time I watched it with the specific intention that that was what this movie is about. That's weird, because I was figuring that if I had my baby and dog stolen while I was on vacation, I'd probably have a little vendetta going too. I think I'd probably head home. If I had my baby and my dog stolen on vacation, I'd be like, I j- this vacation over. You want to fucking do a little character breakdown here? Okay. <laughs> I just want to say, like, this is a horror movie. Characters are not important. Um, probably there's only really two and with, like, discernible... Uh, yeah, two good guys with discernible characteristics. That's Big Bob Carter, the cop we mentioned before, and his son, Little Bobby Carter, um, who is just, like, a fucking tight-pantsed boy with a pistol who, like, handles shit through this movie. Uh, they're with a bunch of like other uh, girls and shit, and they're. I think their only uh, purpose is to make you feel bad and feel fear through this movie. Because, like, correct me if I'm wrong, but none of them have any character traits, and they all get murdered. Yeah, I mean that's sort of a horror movie thing, though, isn't it? 
Yes, but like in other in like in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, for example, which this movie is a ripoff of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It came out like three years later. It's the same basic plot outline of a you know cannibal family um, separating travelers on vacation, picking them off one by one. It like it, it beat for beat. It's the same movie, um, but uh, like that movie had a, a girl uh, as like the main character, and she was also like resourceful, like. I mean, she was getting fucked with, and she, you, they definitely still had a hot girl so that you would feel bad for her. But, like, she was also, you know, being resourceful and escaping and beating the shit out of, uh, you know, her captors and Leatherface. Um, the women in this movie, with the exception of one near the end helping, you know... Uh, actually, no, the one at the end did hatchet a guy, but she still didn't get the killing blow. I don't know. Either way, none of them have any discernible character traits apart from them being uh, horror movie women. Yeah. I think when horror movie directors like add women to the script, they're just they do it because they don't think men can scream. Yeah, but I I also would say that they're right about that in the in the vast majority of cases. No, I think you would scream if a cannibal was chasing you down a hill. I wouldn't. I'd hold it down. I think you don't even. I don't even think you know how loud you can scream. I'd turn it around on them. I'd do it like a Looney Tunes scenario where we're chasing and then I just stop, but they'd keep running and then I'm behind them. Now I'm chasing them. They're screaming. Oh, that's actually kind of smart. Yeah. So that's why I wouldn't be screaming because I'd make them be screaming. Yeah. I would have like, I would have like a huge, big, huge weight that was like suspended by a rope and then I would run under the rope. And then after I was underneath it already, I would, I would make it fall down on their heads. That's really smart. Yeah. I'd have a big catapult set up that I, w- I would hop into and I would set it off and that would that would shoot me to safety. Oh yeah, um, that's I guess that's why they can't that's why they can't have all men casts in horror movies because we would just solve the problem too easy. Yeah, we just handle that shit with the uh, Acme um, equipment. Yeah, there's a we could talk about the family of psychos. They're all named after uh, planets: Jupiter, Mars, Pluto. I thought they were doing a Greek god thing, not a planet thing. Maybe it's like a Roman god thing. Well, I think I, I mean, but I mean, all the planets are just named after those guys. Yeah. Um, so technically, it is. Yeah, technically, it is. Techni- even more technically, though, it's the planets. <laughs> In an even more technical sense. <laughs> Most technical you could possibly get. <laughs> yeah we got a uh, uh fucking uh, the main bad guy or i guess like the poster bad guy of this movie uh is pluto he's played by michael berryman who uh they really lucked out and uh getting a guy with just who was just had uh, deformities so that they didn't have to like do makeup or anything and just have him be like imagine that imagine being like a classic movie monster of cinema and it's just like how you were born like, they didn't do anything to his face. They did nothing, no makeup. They just, like, dirtied him up a little bit, and they were like, okay, you're good. You're a classic movie monster now, Michael. I think this movie is why uh, our parents think it's okay to just, like, uh, give you a wheelchair and call that the Halloween costume. Did you have parents who would give you a wheelchair and call that a Halloween costume? No, I didn't have parents. I'm just doing a generation thing. Have you ever seen anyone do that? Have I ever seen anyone go as a guy in a wheelchair for Halloween? Yeah. yeah. Have you not? No. <laughs> Why not? I mean, I, not a lot of fucking front doorsteps are wheelchair accessible. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. There were people who would bring crutches to school, too, and go as a guy with crutches. Oh, that's smart. Now that I have crutches, I might do that next year. <laughs> it's honestly a pretty good low-effort costume. I had one friend who uh, he would just put on a cape. And uh, we were like 13 and going out and the, all the neighbor or like all his neighbors would be like, what are you? And he'd be like, oh, I'm a man with a cape. And uh, they just like reluctantly give him less candy than they were to everybody else. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was disrespectful to do that, honestly. <laughs> I think it's disrespectful to the tradition of Halloween. Oh, yeah, definitely. That's a soft robbery right there. There's not really many other characters in this movie. There's uh, the gas station owner who I really like. Let's talk about the gas station because that's also where the movie starts off. Uh, the movie opens up. We got Ruby. Uh, she's the other uh, member of the Psycho family. She, if you notice, is the only one who's not named after uh, the planets or maybe accidentally uh, roaming gods. Uh, she's you know, named after something different. 
because that's, you know, she's not like the rest of the Hill psychos. She just wants to get away from it all. And that's what she's saying to uh, Fred, the gas station owner, when she, like, sneaks away to come down there, try and get some food, some water supplies or whatever. Uh, she's like, I just want to get away from it all. Can you drive me out? Uh, you know, get me, drive me into the big city. And he's just like, "You're f- what the fuck are you talking about? Your dad would kill me. You're fucked in the head. And like, as he's telling her how dumb she is and how his dad or her dad would like kill him if she fa- or if he found out he was there, uh, you know the, the the big Bob and his family they pull up uh, to the to the station and um, Ruby like fucking runs and hides. Uh, they go or uh, Fred goes out to help Bob. Uh, they're like you know fucking filling up the gas or whatever. And uh, the only really part I want to uh, mention here is. Uh, uh, or uh, Fred asks one of them, or like one of the girls, like, where are you headed? And she's just like, California, L.A., the big city of movie stars and fancy cars. Like, yep. could you imagine talking like that? Yeah, I can, honestly. I'm pretty sure I did talk like that when I was a kid. Yeah, when you, <laughs> when you first started comedy, that was how you were. I want to go to New York City, tell my jokes on the big stage. <laughs> the city of big stars and exclusively taking ubers <laughs> they're writing that they were just like i just don't give a fuck so much that i need this line to be done what if he wrote um uh the city of los angeles and just like the actress's reflex was to say it like that <laughs> like she she improved that that little ditty <laughs> I, w- I think I would like it more if she improved it. I would also like that more. And she was like, let me bring some taste and flavor to this role. You haven't written me as a person. You've written me as a pair of tits that screams. Uh, l- l- let me uh, bring some personality to this. And then she did this, and it was horrible. I did not like the personality that she chose to bring to this role. <laughs> let me bring the personality of someone who has huge tits and screams. <laughs> Yeah, they they also established that Bob's a retired cop who has a bad heart, which, uh, you know, saying those two things in a row at the beginning of a movie is just like a death sentence for any character. Yeah, you can really tell who's going to die before any of the fighting starts in this movie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I wish in all horror movies, everyone who was going to die wore a shirt that said marked. <laughs> I mean, when you watch old horror movies like that, you kind of do know who's going to die when. Like, it's always, you know, uh, a minority and then somebody having sex because, you know, they're all inherently bad. And then um, a perfect woman who stays until the end. And then she lives or she doesn't. But you won't find that out in un- until the last fucking five minutes. That's true. The other character, they choose their own destiny. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, the gas station was also called Fred's Oasis. And then under the sign, it's like, no gas for 200 miles, which is... I don't know if that's like a selling point or a threat, you know? It's a little bit of both, to be honest. If you don't buy my shit, you are going to die. I see gas stations like that all the time when I go on the road, though. Do you go and buy their gas, though, or do you just think, like, we'll fucking see? I don't buy it out of spite. Anything I do is out of spite. I go, how dare you monopolize gas? <laughs> but can you imagine how like how rich those gas station owners must be? I don't know. It's a gamble, though, because like they're the only ones out there. So maybe they're making bank if the road's busy. But if the road's busy, you'd think there'd be more gas stations. And also, that place is pretty decrepit. So I assume he's fucked out there. That's true. I just imagine that he probably gets all the all the tourist coin, you know? Yeah, all the tourists going out to the abandoned nuclear wasteland and the cannibal, uh, you know, cannibal survival mountain area. Yeah. The Cannibal Mountain National Park. Just because it's different than the national parks you're used to doesn't mean it has any less value as a national park. I'd say it does. I'd say uh, if if I can potentially get eaten somewhere, that's a uh, provincial park at best. I'd say that that's probably offensive what you're doing there. Uh, I don't think so. I tried to, I was looking up hiking trips to go to provincial parks and um, there was a bunch where they were like, yeah, you can go here, but it's full of bears. So I wouldn't bring your bear gun. Yeah. Bring a pistol. I like that. There's a a bunch of products for scaring away bears, but nobody has thought to just use a gun. Oh, it's Canada. You can't do that. So uh, we have a, we have a whole market of things that are close to guns, but not actually. They try to sell you bear spray like at 
mall kiosks and it's like why would i not just murder it why do i want this bear to live to fight another day yeah no if i if i run into a bear i'm going to try and kill it i want to be like in uh red dead redemption 2 where you kill a bear and then you just get to wear a bear for the rest of the game yeah that would be sick dude there are our ancestors used to do that oh yeah I mean, they do it in this movie too. All their, all the the outfits of the uh, of the savages in this movie are hilarious. Some are like, you know, wearing like they're all wearing like raccoon skin, like fucking clothing and shit. I don't know. It's very funny when you look at their costumes because some of them are like, you know, like I said, all full on, you know, animal skin clothes. And then um, Pluto, uh, he's just got like a leather collar around his fucking neck, and like, I guess is forced to go shirtless by his family. Which I love. And then also there's an, uh, a scene, uh, it's a little later on in the movie from where we're talking about right now, but uh, like the mother of the cannibals, she's just like chilling and, you know, her tattered rags and skins and stuff. But she's also drinking like a bottle of Jameson. Yeah. So that implies that she has the ability to like go into the city <laughs> and get shit. And a t-shirt and jeans were like not on the list. Yeah, I mean... If you live in the hills, you got to have some priorities, you know what I mean? Yeah, I drink liquor and I make clothes. That's all I do. I make and hunt for my own clothes. It's better than buying liquor. It's better than buying clothes and making your own liquor. <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's, I mean, that's literally what I do. <laughs> yeah, but you work at a brewery. You don't, like, you don't do it in the hills. Yeah, that's true, but I would like to. If I did it in the hills, there'd be a lot less fucking uh, regulators breathing down the back of my neck. That's true. I think uh, the only reason they made Pluto go shirtless is because he has the best body of all the monsters. He does have a really good body. I mean, with a head like that, though, you'd have to be a fucking jacked, ripped guy to make up for it. Yeah, that's kind of problematic, though. This movie is why all our parents, like, all parents of guys, like, make them not wear shirts at the pool. <laughs> parents of guys <laughs> this movie is why they weren't doing that every guy wore a shirt at the swimming pool before the hills have eyes yeah i never wore a shirt at the swimming pool but i was also a post hills have eyes baby yeah that's what i'm saying <laughs> you already ingrained in your parents psyche man i should have worn a shirt at the pool i've told you about this before but like I used to be like a fucking bigger kid and have like distinct man boobs and i'd also had like long hair when i was growing up because I thought that getting haircuts was gay. So uh, I, I just get fucking looks when I'd go to the pool. Like, who who's letting this girl go topless? <laughs> and they just, like, look at my parents like, what the fuck is wrong with you guys? Someone, like, sitting your mom down and being like, listen, you shouldn't let your daughter do things like that. Yeah, why do you let your other daughters wear regular swimming suits, but you make your fat daughter go shirtless? <laughs> that seems wrong. I thought, it, I thought I wasn't going to say anything when I saw your one shirtless daughter, but then I saw your <laughs> other two shirted daughters. Now I'm pissed, frankly. Is that daughter, like, did she do something wrong? Is she, like, a bad kid? <laughs> Is this a punishment? <laughs> Yeah, wouldn't that be funny? My mom's like, oh, yeah, no, she, she is just bad. Yeah. We do sort of a variation on the whole star on your chart system. Uh, we make it so that every week at the end of the week, the worst kid can't wear any clothes. <laughs> and they just have to go to school. They can see, you know, they're not grounded. We encourage them to go out and have a social life, but they absolutely cannot have clothes on. Instead of rewarding the best kid, we make the worst kid streak for a week. <laughs> but that's not our idea. Part of uh, the reward system is the best kid gets to decide the punishment for the worst kid. <laughs> we find it fosters creativity. Oh, that rules. Making <laughs> one of your kids punish another one of your kids. <laughs> I can't wait to be a parent, man. I'm going to run so many bits on my five-year-old. Yeah, I just try and set up a self-parenting ecosystem <laughs> where uh, all the kids are in constant competition with each other. If I ever have a baby, I'm going to also adopt a 12-year-old just so I don't have to have a baby. <laughs> yeah, it's probably cheaper to adopt an older kid than to get a babysitter a bunch of times. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like over the long run? Yeah, I'm going to be like that's that like, years now. That's like buying in bulk but with the uh, labor. Yeah. <laughs> but with employees <laughs> I both bought a nanny <laughs> yeah we love her she's like part of the family 
and legally she is um, <laughs> we treat her like part of the family because the government would arrest us if we did not yeah because it's government mandated <laughs> <laughs> we signed a contract and that is why we treat her like family but as a as a the family's like driving out of fred's gas station um you know, he's like yelling at them, like, stay on the main road, like just being a real ominous old man, which, you know, this is his only role is to be the ho- this movie's ominous old man, which is, you know, vital in every horror movie. And uh, as soon as like everyone's, uh, you know, fucking out of view, uh, somebody blows up the uh, gas station owner's car and like leaves a bloody handprint on his door. So he just like knows that he's been marked for death by the cannibals who live up in the hills because he was associating with their daughter, which oh, I uh, thought it was because he just moved his store off the main road. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He didn't stay on the main road and then he got fucked up. He didn't follow his own advice. Yeah, that's how he knew. No, it was because he was talking to his daughter, which I think we, you know, fathers could take a lesson from. And maybe, unfortunately, they have. But you ever see, like, those weird fucking Southern things where it's just, like, uh, how, uh, like, those weird uh, gentlemen and, like, ballroom events where dads will, like, take their daughters and dance with them and do all this weird shit? No, I thought you were going to say those, like, Southern guy memes on Facebook that it's, like, if you want to talk to my daughter, you got to have a conversation with my shotgun first. But it, I mean, it's like that same kind of energy where all these dudes just, you know, like they protect their daughter's uh, virginity so uh, fiercely to the point where it's a little questionable. Yeah, I think this movie taught those parents to do that. Yeah, I think it I think it might. Well, I mean, like that kind of energy, a guy, your daughter asks a man for food and supplies and you blow up his car and mark him for death. It's like, yeah. Maybe uh, let her be her own woman. Yeah. Listen, ladies, if your dads won't let you go out in spaghetti straps, that's because of the hills have eyes. <laughs> so contact Wes Craven about that. But uh, while they're driving, they, like, fuck up. They're off the main road. Like I said, they're by Nellis Air Force Base, which you might be familiar with from, uh, you know, knowing geography or playing Fallout New Vegas. And uh, the as they were driving a jet flies overhead and it's loud and it scares big bob and it he fucking like veers off the road fucks up the axle of the car and he's just like pissed off you know he's swearing he drops a hard end bomb the only one of the movie and he's talking about like how he used to be a cop and like all these people have tried to kill him like and he's like even two of my own men have tried to kill me it's like how bad of a cop do you have to be <laughs> to have two of your own dudes turn on you like two separate times it sounded like Two of your own cop capos are like, listen, I know that all we do is solve murders all day. Yeah, I know that all we do is don't rat on each other and solve murders, but uh, I think I'm going to kill you. (laughs) I think I need to make an executive decision on this one. You don't seem like a good guy. I don't like that you're keeping your badge after retirement. I don't like that you've gotten a second gun. We got to end you. When you retire as a cop, all the other cops have to take your badge and gun from you by force. And if they can't, then you just get to stay like a citizen police officer. Yeah, yeah. As <laughs> until you... somebody wrenches this badge from my cold dead hands, I will be a cop. Yeah, once you if if once you retire as a cop, you get to just become Paul Kersey from Death Wish. But yeah, he and he's like, uh, yeah, but the only per all these people have tried to kill me, and the only one who succeeded, who might have succeeded, is uh, my hysterical wife, who can't read a map and got us into this situation. Which I love, by the way, that he's like steered them off the road and fucked up the car, and he turns and he's like, "You fucking bitch, how could you do this to the family?" It's crazy to attack your wife's personality immediately after admitting that two people have tried to murder you before. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah. I I make everyone I meet filled with murderous rage. But this fucking broad, (laughs) this fucking broad to the left of me, she's the reason why. Yeah, it's fucking nuts. I just love that the initial incident of this movie hinges on women not being good at directions. Yeah, that's problematic. And... that taught our parents that and whatever and whatnot. Yep, you guys have heard this podcast. You know what we'll say. You guys know the tagline. <laughs> uh, so their car's like fucked up by the side of the road. You know, they've luckily they've got their trailer. At least they can hang out in there. 
Um, and so um, Big Bob, the oldest and fattest and the guy of the group with the most heart conditions, decides to go off on his own, like back to the gas station to get help and supplies and whatnot. Yeah, the uh, slowest mover of the group is the one foot soldier. Yeah, that's some pure dad confidence if I've ever seen it. Yeah, like, my you ever dad see- could like break both his ankles and have shin splints and still be like, I could probably run faster and farther than you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like in in, in any situation, no matter how unqualified uh, your dad is, he will be the one who steps up to handle it. Yeah, the crazy thing is, he could run faster and farther than me without using his legs. I think he'd want it more than I did. Like, they're not wrong. That's the thing about dads. No, I mean, I think that they're dumb for thinking the way that they think, but they also have, uh, they continually continually prove themselves correct. You know, like, there's a reason they're as dumb as they are, and it's because that shit keeps working. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's so funny. If one person could foil a dad's plan one time, they would start treating you nice. Yeah, do it. People have tried. They just can't. They would start believing in therapy and whatnot. They would. It's It just hasn't been done yet. Yeah. You think this movie taught our dads they can solve every problem? Um, <laughs> no. I mean, <laughs> let's talk about what happens to Big Bob in the next 10 minutes. And uh, <laughs> I don't think that that's what it teaches them. <laughs> a lot of, I think a lot of dads turned it off as soon as he left. And they were like, I know how this is ending. You think, well, the problem with this movie is I bet a lot of dads saw it on TV, so they just watched the first 25 minutes of it where a a wife fucks everything up and it's up to a husband to handle their shit, and then it cuts to an ad break and they got to go to do something. Yeah. And then, you know, that's all of the movie that they see and they carry that with them for the rest of their lives. Yeah, after they get to that part, they're just like, you know what, I've seen this a thousand times before. Yeah. Taylor's oldest time. I hear you, Wes Craven. Dad's going to go out there, do everything perfectly and eloquently. Everything will be uh, fine. (laughs) Instead of watching this movie, I'm just going to apply that to my own life. (laughs) I'm going to go upstairs and gather supplies for my wife. People talk about, like, mansplaining and how, like, dudes will just, like, come in hot into conversations and, like, tell them, like, you know, the most pointless facts that they're excited about. But, like, I think that just stems from... um, you know, guys these days not being able to rise up to any situations and handle shit and, like, go out and hunt for supplies like Big Bob does here. You're saying the only reason our generation of guys have, uh, like, loud opinions is because none of us have ever the shit out of a monster? Yeah, exactly, because we can't, you know, actually do anything that matters. So instead now I have to learn a whole bunch about gaming computers and yell all that information to you at a bar. (laughs) Sorry, ladies, but I'm literally trapped. I cannot not do that. Yeah, because I'm not out in the forest surviving. I have to be really annoying and talk to you a lot about shit you don't care about. I'm like a dog. Now that I'm domesticated, I'm going to puke on your rug. Yeah, I'm not happy about it either. Um, Oh, yeah. Another riff for the podcast. (laughs) <laughs> that one in the podcast folder yeah um but his wife and all the women of the group are just like what about the rattlesnakes bob what about the snakes and he's like don't worry i got this and he pulls out like this giant fucking revolver that we mentioned before was like his uh gift from retiring on the police force which i think it's so funny the idea of like turning in your butt uh gun and badge and being given a different gun and badge (laughs) yeah here's a slightly older gun and a slightly older badge here's your souvenir gun or souvenir badge and a way more powerful than regulation gun now that you're not a cop anymore you can have some real firepower on you (laughs) (laughs) you can take that fucking baton out of your holster and get another gun in there none of this regulations bullshit (laughs) Instead of a baton and a gun, you have two guns. <laughs> Every cop retires, they just get to dual wield pistol. I, I want to be a cop who like dual wields pistols, but like, like, but I pistol whip people. So I'm just like going through town, you know, holding guns by the barrel, just smashing people in the back of the head with the handles, just being like, "Give me the if where's the money? 
you know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> give me the information who did it <laughs> tell me everything you know <laughs> <laughs> about whatever <laughs> and i would love to fight a guy but my brass knuckles are are guns <laughs> like he doesn't know that i have two guns but i don't shoot him with them i just whack him with them. <laughs> yeah i i do a lot of uh, crazy cop moves to throw off criminals I'd like, even if I like, I had a baton at the time. I'd like open it up by like whipping my gun at their head to distract them, and then I'd come at them with the baton. Yeah, I do a lot of. of... (laughs) My gun's more of a showpiece. Yeah, I do a lot of cop improv. My baton—that's what I get down with. I like—I like to be a cop on challenge mode. I only use melee. (laughs) (laughs) All melee cop run. You think there are cops who like, as on principle, won't pull out their guns? Yeah, I do. I know for a fact that I, I, I haven't seen anything that would back me up on that. But just like what I know about uh, humans. Yes. <laughs> I do think that there are cops who refuse to use any weapons and only fight people. <laughs> I like to make it fair. I only use whatever they have. Oh, yeah, man. And they only have their fists unless they have a knife. Then they also will pull out a knife. Yeah. What if that was the rule for cops? They're only allowed to have whatever weapon you have. But there's still two of them. So if you can beat up two cops with your bare fists in a fair fight. Go crazy. Do whatever crimes you want. Yeah, you should go free. That's what we do in the progressive re-release of this movie. We send two cops out and then the savages beat both of them. And then the rest of the family lets them eat them. (laughs) Uh, Write that down, uh, MGM Pictures. Okay, so uh, yeah, Max fucking or uh, Big Bob takes off. He's uh, you know, looking for supplies. The other dad of the group, he's like a younger dad, but also has a mustache. He heads off in the opposite direction. Uh, no gun though, and uh, the other gun is left back at camp with uh, little Bobby to defend uh, the women and the baby. Big Bob just like fucking takes off. You know, he uh, goes back to the gas station. He it's you know middle of the night now. You know he's looking around, doesn't find anything. He opens the door and there's uh Fred, the gas station owner. He's just like hanging himself. He's like strung up on the fucking rafters. And uh, Big Bob's like, "What the fuck are you doing that for?" And like cuts him down. Like he's uh, like frustrated by the inconvenience of his suicide. He's not mad about him trying to kill... Like, he's not even worried about him trying to kill himself. He's just like, ugh, now I gotta cut you down? (laughs) Don't you know I got a bad back? Walking in on a guy killing himself, and you're like, come on, I'm shopping here. (laughs) I needed to get gas. I need some fucking sprites. I wanted to pay for my goods and services. So he, like, cuts him down. Just, you know, furious he tried to kill himself. Confused at it. And then, um, you get, like, some, uh... Uh, exposition filled in here where the guy uh, Fred talks about how he uh, like raised a family out here he had two kids one was a beautiful daughter and one was a bad son which like I think it's so funny to be like yeah I had one bad kid to just like designate like he was like yeah I knew he was bad since birth like since birth to have a kid who you just raised as the bad one (laughs) yeah he smelled like old milk when he came out so I figured that would be the bad one he seemed off (laughs) <laughs> and uh if, if if he wasn't when he came out he uh was when i raised him that way since birth uh and he talks about like how that bad kid like tried to burn down one of his uh burn down his house and like kill his uh daughter and he came back and that kid was just like you know unscarred or whatever so he like tries to fucking bust his face in with a tire iron and then knocks him unconscious and drops him off in the desert and he's like yeah since then he's had a family and now he's after me which like what an insane theory to think that's what's going on that like your son that you left for dead in the desert has somehow found a wife and uh maintained a family yeah like who else lives near you that also dropped their bad daughter off in the hills yeah, and then they just met. I think that's what this movie should have been. I'd like to see a prequel to see how the Hills got their eyes in the first place, you know? Like how, how this uh, cannibal family came to be. Yeah. The rom-com love story behind this uh, horror in the Hills. Yeah, because those two uh, people are probably like childhood sweethearts or something. Yeah, I mean, they must have been. I mean, because he's not, he's not meeting anybody out there. He must have, like, uh, had a girlfriend for, uh, before he'd, like, tried to kill his sister. And then she went out there to find him uh, once he had his face bashed in and then loved him because it's uh, it's about what's on the inside that counts. 
Yeah, it could be a, a previous girlfriend. That's true. I mean, God only knows until uh, they hire us to make the sequel. I um, think this movie is why dads like are comfortable getting a divorce. Why? They saw that scene and they were like, yeah, I could do anything and someone would want me. <laughs> yeah. But then every dad that does get divorced just like ends up eating ice cream and chips until they die. Yeah, you think they're going to... They... Uh, dads in unhappy marriages think they're going to get their divorce and then like move out to the desert and find find their wife and camp in the hills and then really they yeah like you were saying they just fucking watch antique road show and eat Ben and Jerry's until they die they get bit by a salamander and die of poison yeah watch fucking car shows on history channel and that's it yeah really what should have happened is uh, when they sent this man into the wilderness he should have had no idea what to do with himself and immediately starved <laughs> yeah, you should have uh, fallen on some rocks or been bitten by a spider. That's really what would have happened. And uh, but anyway, he like explains all that. It seems fucking dumb as hell. And then all of a sudden, he just gets like grabbed through the window and like ripped outside and murdered. And then you're like, oh, maybe he was actually right about all that crazy shit he was talking about. Yeah, right when the main character was about to not believe him, he gets murdered in front of his eyes. Yeah, and it's like okay, well. Color me wrong. Yeah. Color me embarrassed. <laughs> right when that happened, he's like, I can't believe I wasted all that fucking time talking you out of suicide just for you to get murdered. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And uh, uh, Bob tries to escape. He's unsuccessful. He ends up getting kidnapped and taken back to the camp where he's uh, crucified. On a Israel tree. On a Joshua tree, a protected species. This was actually a, a crime that they... They committed a crime on screen in this movie by uh, desecrating a Joshua tree. We'll get This is the first part where they just straight up crucified Big Bob to it, um, I guess certifying as the Christ-like figure we always knew he was. Yeah, uh, every retired cop is God, basically. Yeah, and same with every dad is like Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> every dad is the son of a cop <laughs> but while all that's happening uh little bob is up in the mountains fucking around with his dogs one of them he's got two beauty and beast and uh beauty runs away and she like goes up into the mountains disappears and uh she ends up getting like gutted she gets murdered by uh pluto uh the scariest hill person and uh but pluto murders him or murders the dog bob becomes upon it and uh, we see uh, the first real dead dog in cinema. Yeah. Wes Anderson showed a, a, a dog with his entrails ripped out, a real dog on screen for just a hot little second. Yeah, I didn't like that part of it at all. That really fucked me up for a while. I thought it was good. I still have the thing from childhood where if I find out that a dog dies, I get, like, too sad. Uh, yeah, a lot of people have that. I mean, it's more... It's not like he murdered the dog for this movie, though. It's just he rustled up a dead dog. Yeah. And I shot it. I don't see why people don't do that as, like, a regular thing, though, because dogs die in movies all the time, but it was way worse showing it. Oh, yeah, especially in, like, the grossest way that they possibly could. Uh -huh. Yeah. I just think it's, it, I don't know, it's nice. I think it's nice for this dog. Like, if I make it my whole life never getting on a movie and then I die and they, like, you know, show my body for a hot second with all my shit ripped out, I'd be, I'd be happy. I'd be flattered. You're saying you're jealous because this dog had a better entertainment career than you? Um, I'm not jealous because my entertainment career might still have, you know, I still have time to make it just as good. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I wouldn't say I'm jealous. More, I have a hero. More, yeah, I'm. I, I have a newfound optimism because of this dead dog. Because of this dead dog, <laughs> got this crazy spring in my step because I just saw a dead dog on TV. Yeah, it turns out uh, death isn't the end. You know, that, that's just a uh, that's a springboard onto new roles. That's actually, if you think about it, probably the only dog ever that's gonna live forever. <laughs> yeah, seriously, we're still talking about him. My childhood dog is long dead, but we're still talking about the fucking Hills Have Eyes dog. That's true. Maybe it was all a publicity stunt to get this dog's career to take off. <laughs> Maybe it was fake. It's not well, even a real dog death. 40 years later, it worked. <laughs> and, and so what does little Bob do when he finds out that his, uh, his beloved pet has been murdered? What? Absolutely fucking nothing. Just holds it down. Goes back to camp, doesn't tell anybody. Just acts sad. Yeah, that's man shit, dude. That is man shit. Just lash out at people, never cry. 
yell at the ones you love the most. That is man shit. And also, this movie is why, like, this movie started the trope of, like, when a dog dies, you have to tell your kid it went to a farm to run around. Like, this movie started the trend of lying about how the dog died. Yeah, except it's the other way around. In this movie, it's the son doing it to the parents when normally it's the parents doing it to the son. (laughs) Yeah, but when our parents watched this movie, they were probably the son's age. That's true. So they were like, oh, that is the cool right way to handle it. Oh, maybe I should lie to my kids. Yeah. Yeah, I guess if I'm already telling them Santa's real and that I love their dad. Santa's real, and our dog is one of his reindeers now. <laughs> yeah, our dad went. <laughs> our dog went to go be a reindeer for Santa Claus. <laughs> you could convince a kid of that too. Kids are dumb as fuck. I'm gonna, I'm gonna see how, I'm gonna see how elaborate I can get my uh, dead dog stories to be for my kids. Yeah, I was gonna say like that's the other thing I can't wait for during parenthood is just the lies you can tell your child and have them fully believe. <laughs> My dog, uh, our do- <laughs> sorry, son, the dog uh, will never come back. He didn't die. He actually went to go run IBM. Yeah, our dog was actually selected by Justin Trudeau to be the dog of parliament. So uh, <laughs> you're, you're never going to see your dog again. He's busy being uh, the attorney general of Canada now. The dog ran away to be the lead singer of 100 Gex. <laughs> <laughs> Your dog is actually being incorporated to the gorillas now. <laughs> this, this family is big on not communicating at all with each other. Because, like, there's that scene where the uh, dog dies and he doesn't tell anybody. There's another scene right after, or while that's going on, while some of the girls at the trailer are, like, calling a ham radio. And they just get, they're, like, you know, doing Mayday. And uh, they just get, like, heavy breathing on the other end, which is a Wes Anderson classic. He's uh, fucking known for that in, like, all his movies. And in like after the fact, or like a little while afterwards, uh, uh, Bobby gets back to camp and he's like, "Did you try out the CV radio?" And the mom's like, oh, "It was just static. We didn't get anything. There was nothing. Nobody was breathing on the other end. Don't even worry about it." If you were wondering if someone was breathing, no, they were not. Getting a call from inside the house and then hanging it up and being like. I don't know why your mother's always calling at dinner. Yeah, I think it's so funny. Like, cause they they only find out that they're being hunted by hill people when the hill people invade their trailer and start murdering. Like, if they had just communicated about all this weird goings on, they probably would have pieced it together. I bet you they would have left without even finding out about the hill people. I don't know what would happen, but I I definitely feel like they could have at least uh, set up a defensive perimeter. You know? Yeah. They would have had a fighting chance. but And all they had to do was talk about their feelings. But no. We're going to bottle that shit up. And now the family's dead. That's a lesson that unfortunately our parents didn't learn while watching this. Unfortunately not. And uh, now I don't communicate my feelings. And it's only a matter of time before me and my family are picked off one by one in the desert. That's true. I was just going to say that. I was just going to tell you to watch your back next time you're in the desert. <laughs> but uh, so, yeah, uh, Big Bob never makes it back to the camp. But Doug, the other guy who went out to look for supplies, he does get back to the camp. And holy shit, are the supplies he brought back pointless. Like he, he he's like, I'm back. And you look in his hands and he's just got like a bunch of twine and like a rope. <laughs> and it's like, cool. Did you bring gas or food? And he's like, ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I got a shovel and a snow globe. <laughs> that's so funny oh no i just brought back a couple of little drums and a boy i brought back two game boys and a wire so we can play the game boys together (laughs) two cans and a rope i've got pokemon red and pokemon blue what did you guys want me to bring back (laughs) i didn't think i could carry groceries with the new ps5 so i just brought one yeah, I, I we only have one controller. By the way, are you guys cool with watching me play PS Five until we're rescued tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, I, I fucking love that. But so yeah, they're like all back at camp. They're like gearing up to you know turn in for the night, go to bed. And uh, little Bob's very on edge. He's like got his fucking gun out, just like you know amped up, trying to make sure everyone's safe because he knows something's up, but he's not telling every anybody. Yeah. And um, uh, there's one very boss move that I would like to mention, actually. 
Uh, it's that. So you remember how there's a baby in this movie? Yeah, that's Doug's baby. He's like the guy with the mustache. Before they all turn in, Doug like puts the baby to sleep in the trailer with Bob and his family, and then he's like, "I gotta go get some sleep," and he like leaves. He goes out to sleep in the car, which I think is so funny. Yeah, to just like fucking leave your newborn with another family and just be like, "I gotta go plow my wife in the backseat of this station wagon." Let me know if the baby wakes up. Actually, don't let me know. I think when you're an adult and you go on vacation with your other couple friends, like that's what it's for. I don't think it's actually for the vacation. I think it's for trapping people into babysitting. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, somebody's just like, hey, we're going at this place. Like, I'm nobody's going to be around. Do you want to take care of the baby or do you want my son to die? <laughs> <laughs> That's how Doug's playing it, and I respect I, that. Yeah, I, I really like that. Doug is a very chill dad. Doug strikes me as the kind of dad who tries to smoke weed in the garage, but, like, doesn't want anybody to know about it, but everybody knows about it. Yeah, he's all about getting Doug with high. Boom. <laughs> oh, yeah. Friend of the podcast. Doug Pop Benson. culture reference, baby. So, uh, yeah, while Doug's car fucking, um, Pluto comes and he, like, siphons all the gas out of the car. This is where the psychos launch the uh, uh, offensive on uh, on the on the trailer. Yeah. Um, like, like we were saying before, but little Bobby, he just knows something's fucked, but he can't like put his finger on what's happening. So he ends up like going outside to investigate. And the minute he like opens the door, Pluto like rushes into the trailer and locks him outside, which is, I think my biggest fear in the world. I've told you about this a lot of times. I've tried to talk about it on stage and nobody relates to me. But one of my biggest fears that I've had since I've moved out of my parents' house is that I'm going to like go outside, like I'm going to open my door to like take out the garbage or something. And then like while I'm doing that, someone's going to run in real quick and lock me out of my house and take over my house. Yeah. And I think that they'd be well within their rights to do that. Well, that's what I'm saying. I just don't know what legal recourse I would have. You wouldn't have any. I would have. I'd have to move, and I couldn't even move because they'd have all my shit. I'd have You'd to start have to over. run over to their house and do that same thing to theirs. But I wouldn't know where they live. That do you think that's how like you get property? Do you think that's why there's two property brothers? So one can hold the current house and the other can sprint to another house. <laughs> yeah, and then they just they move kind of like a lever, always helping the other one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> one's always holding, one's always attacking. But yeah, so Pluto like uh, locks him out of the trailer, fucking rushes the trailer. Uh, takes that shit over, and he's like, you know, stealing all uh, supplies, food, uh, all shit you would need to survive in the desert. They steal uh, all the food, and then also the baby. Well, yeah, well, the baby comes later because before that, though, another hill person sets off some explosives in the distance to like, I get wake everyone else up out of the trailer, and like while that's happening, Pluto is like, you know, on top of a uh, a uh, girl in there, like, you know, hand on her mouth so she can't scream. He's taking a fucking hostage. The explosion goes off outside. Everyone gets up, rushes out of the trailer. Then the other psycho uh, just fucking goes into the trailer. So now they own the trailer. Everyone's, like, outside checking out what the fuck the explosion was. It turned out it was Big Bob, uh, the Joshua tree. They uh, strung him up uh, or, you know, crucified him on. That was right next to their camp. Turned out to be way closer to the trailer than... Uh, you know, really makes sense for how they filmed the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it was 200 meters away within full view. Yeah, a serious, like, a f- eye line. And uh, they blew that up. And that's actually a, f- a crime. A Joshua trees are protected species. It's a crime to blow those fuckers up. But they did it. Well, that's unfortunate, dude. I wonder, I wonder if God, like, smited back against the movie for doing that. No, Wes Anderson had a really long and successful career. If anything, it was like an offering to God. Maybe he is God and he's like allowed to do it because he is. Well, you have to wonder, it, do you think God made species extinct for a reason? Like God, <laughs> Do you think that protecting endangered species is going against God's will? Yeah, I do. I think protecting endangered species is heresy. I think God wants me to hunt elephants. Yeah. Personally? I think God is telling me to kill rhinos. I think not killing rhinos would send me to hell. <laughs> I'm going to start killing giraffes, bro. They're not endangered, but they should be. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff I've missed out on killing in my life. <laughs> but yes, yeah, so like now that fucking both the psychos are in the house, they there's like a little scuffle. They end up killing or shooting uh, the mom and one of the women and uh, stealing the baby and taking off. 
Yep, which, which is bad, I think. To steal the baby? I think all that was problematic. Uh, I think it could have been a lot more problematic. Uh, I think we got to be. I think we got to thank our lucky stars. He's only stealing the baby. What do you mean by that? I think you know exactly what I mean by that. I don't understand what you mean. I need you to elaborate. Well, I just mean uh, he could have killed the baby. Describe what you think the worst thing to do to the baby would have been. I don't want to say the worst thing, but one of the worst things, they could have just killed the baby on screen and knowing uh, Wes Craven, he would have fucking rustled up a recently deceased baby to show us for a split second. So that I, I really didn't want that to happen. Imagine this movie breaks two world records. First dog that was dead in a movie and first dead baby also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we should release a movie that's just 90 minutes of dead shit. <laughs> first dead various things. Yeah, wor- world's first dead things. <laughs> That's what we could call it. Yeah, and I'm only releasing it if we can get an IMAX camera for it. <laughs> That's we 3D. Do. Yeah, we do IMAX 3D or we do uh, glorious 36 millimeter, 38 millimeter, whatever Tarantino films is shit in. I don't know. It's insane to want to to want to take a baby though. That's like, man, stealing a baby is like literally the exact opposite of what I've been doing for the last little bit. Yeah, you've been returning babies? Yeah, I've been uh, <laughs> been returning babies to their rightful owners. Yeah, people keep leaving babies at my house, and I have to keep bringing them back. Yeah, it's literally the opposite of what I'm <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Why would you steal a baby? That's that's stealing an obligation. That's like yeah. going into someone's house and stealing all their dirty dishes. Well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I know that they wanted to eat the baby. That It's like veal for these guys, which I, I really like that the hill people have like their own hill culture that's revolving, you know, revolved around eating babies. It's just nice that they have their own customs. Like it, if it were my family, my mom would be like doing taco night and we'd all get really stoked and being like, you know, who's getting dibs over uh, first tacos and all that shit uh, they're just doing it with babies so i think that just goes to show uh we're not so different me and them and i also like that uh wes craven fleshed out the culture of these people a little bit you know what i mean because if this was a more problematic movie i bet you these hill savages would be just that they probably wouldn't have any uh potlucks with <laughs> babies any potlucks <laughs> Little baby potlucks. Yeah, they just eat it. There wouldn't be any sense of family or community. It would just be murder and blood. It wouldn't be an event. It would just be like, oh, we found a baby. I guess we'll eat it. Yeah, no. With, with Wes, it's barely about the baby. It's more about, uh, you know, the family. It's more about them respecting their elders. Yeah, it's more about social bonds. So, like, after they take the baby, they, like, fucking run outside and... uh uh, the guy's like in the trailer with the gun and he just like fires all his shots blindly through the door and he's like, fuck, now I have no bullets. <laughs> Which I think rules. I actually think that's a very realistic, uh, you know, example of what would happen. Shoot. <laughs> Emptying your gun's clip into the floor and then being like, this thing's fucking useless. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> it's just like every dude who thinks he could handle a situation if he was given a gun and, you know, dire circumstances, that's what they would do miss every shot and then uh get uh, lose their baby <laughs> what i would do is have a hundred percent accuracy rate and i would gain a baby <laughs> <laughs> that's how you get babies is you shoot a target perfectly 10 times out of 10 every gun range has a huge stock of babies in the back to give to anyone who uh nails it yeah it's like those big stuffed animals at the fair yeah it's like that but they're alive and they cost millions of dollars to raise <laughs> Do you think anyone ever made up a nickname for Wes Craven that was, they called him the West Nile virus? No, I think you're the first for that one. All right, cool. Well, if his agent is listening, get in contact with me regarding licensing for that name. But yeah, now everyone's just like, you know, they're at, they're fucked. They've just been uh, attacked by a group of Hill people. Mom's dead. Uh, Everyone's, you know, fucking wife is dead. They've got nothing to lose. So now, uh, now the city folk go on the offensive. Yep. Now they're fucking trying to make some shit happen. They got um, a vendetta now. Yep. Mustache dad goes. He fucking takes off into the into the uh, hills. So funny that they lose their baby, and then that's what makes them realize they're like, "Oh, we might have a problem here." Yeah. Well, they were forced to, you know, communicate about it, and they're like, "I guess we should deal with this." Yeah. That's they've fair. 
killed two of our own and taken one that I kind of wanted, one that I didn't want in the first place. What if and, after uh, the baby got kidnapped, the dad was like, yeah, I knew she was bad this whole time, though. That was a bad baby. We should get out of here. That was a bad kid. So I was only taking this out, the baby out in the desert to uh, tire iron it and leave it here. So he's <laughs> like, honestly, I was kind of hoping this would happen. Phew. <laughs> that really took care of itself. And that's what I call a late term abortion. Okay. You didn't like that? And ladies, that's your choice, by the way. Yeah, but it's also my choice. If a baby's pissing me off, I have a choice to kill it. <laughs> <laughs> it. It's the woman's choice before and my choice after. Yeah, it's <laughs> God. It's your choice for nine months and my choice for eighteen years. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay, I'm sorry I said that. Yeah. yeah so, so the, the fucking, fucking dad, dad takes, takes off, off like, like trying to hunt his baby. baby. Uh, which is, you know, some insane dad confidence yet again to think that this man who uh, went and got fucking rope and twine in a survival scenario thinks he can single-handedly fight a family of cannibals. Yeah. But power to him. That's, uh, yeah, that's confidence that I need in my life. <laughs> anyway, at this at this point in the movie, Pluto and Jupiter, Jupiter's like, he's the father. He was the one who had his face split open uh, initially. And, uh, uh, you know, had had this whole fucking crazy psycho family. Uh, they're like hunting the survivors. They're up in the mountains, you know, trying to fuck with them best they can, make them uncomfortable, uh, all, doing all all kinds of good stuff. And uh, as they're hunting them, they get attacked by a dog, which uh, is the other dog of um, you know, of the Beauty and the Beast combo. Now Beast is out here avenging his fucking brother. Yeah, the dog fucking goes after Pluto and, like, fucks up his Achilles tendon. Uh, bites that shit out. A lot of dog fighting in this movie. A lot of dog fighting in this movie. I think it's kind of crazy to uh, let the dogs kill... Uh, or I, I, I mean, I guess it's kind of nice to give the dog revenge, but I don't know, man. Like, it, Pluto's on the fucking movie coast poster and you're just having him die by being bitten by a dog? Like, that seems like a, a waste to me. Also, do you think dogs hold grudges? Like, do you think they operate on revenge? Yes. I think everything operates on revenge. Really? If you, like, uh, killed an animal your dog was going to kill, it would, like, jump into your room while you were about to have sex and then kill the girl? No, I think if I killed an animal my dog was about to kill, he'd be like, nice, thank you. Uh, and then if, you know, I was in a situation where I was about to kill someone, my dog would hop in and get the kill, and I'd be like, wow good boy damn i was doing a joke about how dogs don't understand things i thought you were doing a joke about how uh you're afraid of having sex with women <laughs> no. i would expect your dog to defend you <laughs> no that's not what i was doing i was doing a bit where i'm cool and i like having sex and i'm good at it i don't know about that bro it sounds to me like uh you need a protector to make sure you never have sex with anybody I was doing a bit about how every time I've ever kissed someone in front of their dog, their dog acts like I'm trying to murder them. That was the <laughs> just so everyone's clear. But uh, after Pluto gets, like, fucked up in the dog attack, Jupiter ends up, like, radioing into the rest of the savages, like, fuck it, kill the fucking baby, you know? We're eating her now. <laughs> We're losing. Eat the baby. <laughs> did the family know the hill people also have radio technology? Yeah, I think I love that. Not so different after all, you and I. <laughs> yeah. And uh, after they get the order to kill the baby Ruby, the hill savage who, uh, you know, just wants to get away from it all. She switches the baby with the little baby piglet that they get from somewhere. I think it's so funny that they've been, like, raising animals, but they still want to eat a baby. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, they have meat. We have the <laughs> livestock, but honestly, there's something I prefer to that. <laughs> I've got a hankering. I'm more of a game guy than a livestock guy. <laughs> game? You calling babies game? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how hard it is to hunt them? <laughs> I wonder how gamey a baby would be. It would probably be tender, right? It'd have to be. I mean, veal's tender, so you can only assume that babies are equally tender. I think baby meat would be not dissimilar to lamb meat. I think it would go great with tzatziki sauce. Lamb meat is the substitute they used for human meat through this movie, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They yeah. did that because it looks the exact same. That's true, it did. Yeah, so Ruby fucking takes off into the hills. She's uh, got the baby. Uh, one of the other psychos is after her. 
and uh, we come back now to uh, uh, big boys at the trailer. They're in a showdown against Jupiter, Papa Jupiter. Yep. And uh, to kill him, they got they got to set up a trap, which is one of the dumbest fucking traps I've ever seen in movie history. Um, they like <laughs> this brother and sister. They like get their dead mom out of the trailer, and like carry her out to set her up in um in like a lawn chair. Sort of a weekend at Bernie's type of setup here. Yeah, just under the assumption that uh, Jupiter's going to, like, see her and want to go get a closer look. Which, like, why? Because he loves eating people. Okay. Okay, yeah. Yes, that is why. (laughs) They thought he was hungry after a long day of hunting people, so they just put a, uh, you know... Yeah, he only got a baby out of his last raid. That's yeah. like the fucking that's like eating one grape when you're hungry. Yeah, so here's a full grown woman. That's like ten babies. Yeah. Or like a hundred grapes. So they set her up in the chair as bait and then like they used all the pointless rope and twine to like, you know, weave that around the fucking tire that's fucked up and uh, make like a rope trap to like catch fucking jupiter's feet in which seems like some scooby-doo bullshit which works perfectly by the way they like fucking trap them and like reel them into the trailer and then they run out of gas because it was fucking suckled out of the tank earlier while they were boning and uh they like run into the trailer and that's like rigged with explosives and they like hop out the back then as uh jupiter yeah jupiter's getting into the trailer he sets off the explosion it's awesome, glorious finish. You think he's dead, though, but not really. He comes after them uh, again. He's, like, you know, in a fucking fisticuff fight with uh, Bobby, and the girl hatchets him in the back. Then Bobby takes out his gun and fires his remaining two bullets into Jupiter, redeeming himself for the little fucking ammo fiasco we had earlier in the trailer. Yeah. Which is like that's nice that the, he got it. Jupiter got his comeuppance and stuff. But uh, isn't there still like six hill people still alive that are just gonna come finish what he started? Yeah, I mean, there's the mother hill person, which uh, there's never they never enter, so she's still alive to this day, pumping out hill people. Uh, there's, there's two, two brothers, brothers, one of, of which, which was killed. killed. Yeah, the other of which we will fucking cut to now, cause. Uh, We've still got uh, Doug chasing. Uh, he ends up catching up with Ruby, who's got his baby in the mountains, and he, you know, finds out that she's on his side or whatever. So she gives the baby back. They're like running together and being chased by Mars, who's the final psycho of the family. Um, and he's about to like kill Doug when uh, Ruby comes up from behind him, holding a rattlesnake, and like makes it bite him, killing him. And then you know, finally. Back to the start of the movie when all they were doing was worrying about rattlesnakes. Yeah, I really was waiting for that to come back around, and wow, did it ever in a big way. Like, that's one of my favorite kills, and I think any movie is using... uh, This was a real snake, by the way, that they used. Like, it wasn't a prop. It was easier to get a real live rattlesnake. Um, So, like, to do that, using any animal as a weapon against its will, hilarious. Very funny. Yeah, also, I guess... This movie, like, proves that the snake charming industry is bullshit. You don't have to play a flute to make a snake do stuff. You just have to put it near a guy. Yeah, you just have to hold it, you know, aim its head and use its teeth. Yeah. It'll take care of the rest. Yeah, snake charming's honestly pretty easy. (laughs) Yeah, it's more snake grabbing. (laughs) Snake grabbing, snake moving around. Um, But that's the end of the movie. It just, like, freeze frames on... uh, Doug's face uh, right after uh, he, you know, does a murder. Screen turns red. The end. That's it. Which I love that horror movies can do that. I love horror movies, how, how horror movies can just end. Yeah. Yeah, I wish, like, <laughs> I wish action movies could also just end on a freeze frame. I wish horror movies didn't, though. Like, I wish, I wish that we had five more minutes of the characters just, like, coming to terms with what just happened. And, like, figuring out where we go now, and you realize, like, oh, this was just the beginning. All the deleted <laughs> scenes of this movie are just all the characters setting up therapy appointments? Well, I was going to say, that's what the sequel is. It's all of them, like, trying to deal with PTSD. The next one is not a horror movie. It's, like, a very honest look into what it takes to overcome emotional turmoil. Oh, really? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. It's a horror movie again. said <laughs> <laughs> it in a fact way. I was like, damn this might be the progressive movie series of the 70s. Oh, no, absolutely not. I think even um, Michael Barry. Wait, does Michael Berryman come back? Let me check. He's at least on the poster of part two, which is confusing because he's uh, he gets murdered. 
he gets murdered in part one that's the other thing about movies from this era is uh you can just come back as a different character it doesn't matter if your guy died yeah we gotta fucking watch the second movie michael berryman is not in it but he's his face is on the poster (laughs) i love that yeah that rules so hard man so what do you think is this a does this movie need to get re-released do we need the youth to watch it did our teacher our parents good lessons or bad lessons i don't think this taught our parents any good lessons i think it really just taught i mean maybe maybe it maybe it put an end to do i mean i know that it didn't put an end to dude confidence but i do i do think this is a pretty good satire of uh dads thinking they can handle shit and just you know being cruci- end up being crucified to a against a Joshua tree, which I think should happen once in a while. Yeah, I mean, it definitely didn't end that though. No, that's what I'm saying. It didn't end that. I think, I think that uh, you you could fucking take a couple of lessons from that, but I do think that it would be completely offset by, uh, uh, you know, having every woman in this be mo- in this movie be functionally pointless to the plot. And then also, apart from uh, the, the initial action, which is a guy's wife not knowing her directions. Yeah. Which is really not even what the initial incident is. It's him projecting his fuck up onto his wife as not knowing directions. <laughs> yeah, it definitely, yeah, it taught our parents to blame women. But I'm saying at this point, which movie didn't? That's my point. Yeah, uh, a few that are too good to watch on this podcast. Yeah, so to us, they don't exist. Yeah, the first and the second Alien movie, and that's it. (laughs) Yeah, I say, you know, maybe we should have everybody watch this, just to, if anything, it taught our parents uh, how much you're supposed to take care of your baby. You know what I mean? It taught our parents to defend the baby. Don't let it be stolen. (laughs) Defend your baby. (laughs) Yeah, it definitely taught you that. I don't know if it, if if anyone wants to watch this movie, I would recommend. Uh, I don't know. Truthfully, the this is a worse version of Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre is better in every way, except I still like this. I don't know why. I didn't like this movie very much on our first watch through, but like every subsequent watch through of it, I liked it more. And there's just something about the campiness of it, using a snake as a weapon, uh, having the main villain of it just be a guy who has a disability. It's greater than the sum of its parts. It's not a good movie, but fuck, man, do I like it. Yep. Another solid conclusion done by your comedy here often sponsored friends from the Your Parents Watch This podcast. Yes, but seriously, watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It is a better version of this movie. Watch this and then watch Texas Chainsaw so that way you can enjoy both. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good recommendation. (laughs) Uh, so, so that's, that's it. it. You, you got, got anything, anything else, else to, to fucking say? say? No. <laughs> you got anything else to fucking say? That sounded very aggressive. You done, bitch? You fucking finished? <laughs> shout out to Comedy Here Often, our podcast host. Yeah, big shouts out to them. Shouts out to everyone else on their network. All our stand-up shows are canceled, so you have to listen to every episode of the podcast twice. Those are the rules. Yeah, no excuse. Uh, if you guys have any suggestions as to how we could do this better um, from, you know, separate locations, please let us know because uh, I'm guessing here, guessing how to do all of this. So if anybody knows how to do this uh, good remote podcast, please let us know. Thanks for listening. Uh, thanks for tuning in. We love you. Looking around. Let us know if there's any movies you want us to watch, too. Yeah, hey, if you've got any recommendations for Christmas movies, let me know, because I fucking hate Christmas movies, and I've never watched one. So I'd like to cover one on the podcast. Yeah, and tune in next week when we do The Blind Side. (laughs) We will not be doing The Blind Side. We're doing The Blind Side. We're never Never doing doing The the Blind Side. Side. All right, thank you. I love you. Not you, the viewers. Oh, okay.